It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey guys, welcome to the Sink Two Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my partner, Mike Evans. Got all kinds of things going on, obviously. Uh, divisional round of the playoffs, which many people consider the best round or the best weekend of sports uh, on the on the calendar. So I, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, it's got right, to be right up there, right? You got final weekend of the Masters. You got the <laughs> final four in the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, you know, maybe some great race weekends, Indianapolis 500, that kind of yeah. stuff. But, hey, this is as good as it gets. We're down to the final uh, four in each conference. And, uh See who emerges. Yeah, it should be fun, right? I mean, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Doesn't get any better than that. And I, I'm, I for one, I'm looking forward to hunkering down, getting something done. I, I've decided to do this. I've decided I'm going to get one project a day done. And then after the one project, then I'm free to do whatever it is I, I do during the week. I made a decision. When, I, I made an agreement with my wife. And, guys, you should all be doing this because you get your honeydew list, okay? Just, just let them know, okay? I'll – Devote a certain amount of time to this and this and this. But starting at 4.30 Eastern time mm-hmm. on Saturday, I'm done. Right. I'm, I'm done. I'm hunkered. I'm hunkered. Yeah. I'm in the bunker. I'm right. hunkered. Yeah. I All like right? it. I you like ready it. to hunker down and talk about these games? Yeah, I am. I well, am let's ready. just go. Let's go right in order. Let's start okay. on the Saturday games. We start with Houston and Baltimore. Um, I, I'm curious, uh, the effect of the bye. Okay, now Baltimore, San Francisco, mm. we'll get to them in a second. The the teams with the bye, we, we've seen some mixed results over the years Sure, with teams with the bye. The teams that struggle coming off the bye get upset after the bye. Is, is there a common thread that you think ties it together? Well, I, I mean, I think I think that for me, and I've, I've been one of those teams that got upset off a of bye, so mm-hmm. I, I know what that feels like. Um, sometimes... I think there's a couple of different things that can happen to you. And I usually focus on the offensive side of the ball. That's what I played. But I think that's what it affects the most. Like, because defense, let's be let's be honest, you can be dumb and play defense, right? You, you can't be dumb and play offense. It's just the way it works. Everybody knows it. Just be done with it, all right? I have I have spoken it. I've It's decreed. That's what happens. Dumb guys play on the defensive side. Smart guys play on the offensive Why side. Why can you be dumb and play defense? Because all you got to do is pin your ears back and go. Like, just go. Like, there's not a whole lot of thinking to it. Let's just go, let's go run around fast. And it's all reactionary. <laughs> it's all athletic. And those guys are incredible athletes. And I'll give them their props and their credit. But they can be dumb and play that side of the ball. Okay. Offensively, there is a rhythm to playing offense, there is a timing to playing offense, there is a, there, there is a, a structured chaos to playing offense that requires you to play. And ultimately, I think one of the things that happens to teams is they get into this bye week. You know, it's the rust versus rest, and that's probably a little cliche. But what ends up happening, depending upon how you practice, depending on how you go about your business, um, if there's not an urgency, if there's not a tempo, if there's not an execution that is required on the offensive side of the ball in practice – and it's hard to get it in practice or it's hard to maintain it in practice if you're not playing in games. And the thing that scares me about both Baltimore and San Francisco is week 18 they were locked up. So week 18 a lot of their guys didn't play. So it's not just a one-week buy, it's a two-week buy. And 
Now, I will say this about San Francisco, and I know this because I played for Mike Shanahan, Kyle's father, is the pace of practice with which they play is different. Did you see the stuff with Javon Hargrave? And I know we're talking about Houston and Baltimore, Mm -hmm. but did you see the stuff with Hargrave, who was with the Philadelphia Eagles and went to San Francisco to play with the, the 49ers? He said, man, the practice here compared to what we did in Philly is night and day, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But there is something to that, the way you prepare, the way you practice. I I played for Mike Shannon, and there were times where I got into the game, and I thought the game was a slower pace than what we practiced at. Even though we weren't in pads, you know, we were shells. Maybe we maybe did, you know, Thursdays we did some some one-on-one stuff and some some hitting a nine-on-seven and some, some, you know, some real football stuff. Then we took our shoulder pads off, and we were just flying around. Um, full speed, 100%. Just no collisions. And so, uh, but, you know, on the line of scrimmage, it was all, it was just like, there was no difference, but you were just playing at a a pace. So that always scares me a little bit. The one thing I love about John Harbaugh and his football teams is they are old school in that they dominate both lines of scrimmage, both defensively and offensively. And, Anytime you're out of rhythm, even if you're out of sync a little bit in the passing game, if you can run the football, I always say this, you can't pass yourself into a rhythm. It's really hard. So what you want to do is you want to get fat, you want to get big, you want to condense formations, and you want to bludgeon people when you're out of rhythm. You make people get out of that too high shell. You make people bring down an extra defender to defend the run. That way you get access to the outside. You get free access, one-on-one situations, on the outside. That's how you get yourself back into a rhythm. The thing I love about Baltimore is they can win both lines of scrimmage. And that's what what sets them apart. The other thing they have is they have speed. You know, there's so many teams now that that devalue the linebacker position, Mike. They've got great speed in Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith at the linebacker position. Why is that important? Well, one, you walk up and you mug an offensive lineman, meaning you walk up head up head on that guy or in the gap, you mug him. You you're you're standing there at the at the snap. What does that make us do as an offensive line? Do you know? No. It makes us call man. Okay. So if we're in a slide protection, now we have to go when that guy walks up, we have to have some form of man. So it's five oh. Our five against your five. So when that happens, what do you create? You create one-on-ones up and down the line of scrimmage. We take you, as a defense, out of slide protection. Well, what do you have to have to make that effective? you got to have linebackers get flat-out run that have rockets up their asses, right? Because when you bail out of that son of a bitch, you got to get to 12 yards deep in your hook zone, or, or you got to get out and, and cover a guy who's running a slant or cover a guy who's going to run a seam, and you got to do it from inside or at the line of scrimmage. So you better have dudes that can flat run. So they have the ability to create one-on-ones for their defensive linemen and still play zone behind it. It gives them an advantage, and it's part of the front seven, part of the ability to you know, really dictate and dominate on the defensive end of the ball. So they've got those type of players. And then ultimately, one of the things about Lamar that has been exceptional this year is his ability – to make free runners miss, he's always had that ability. 
and to extend a play. But where normally in the past he would have made a free runner, you design a blitz, you get a free runner, whoo, guys coming clean. San Francisco did it in that game that they lost 33-19. They probably had five or six free runners at, at Lamar. Exactly zero of them made a play on Lamar. He made a miss. And then instead of just taking off like he used to and getting yards with his feet and putting himself in harm's way, he's extending it, holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it. Four or five seconds, whom throws it down the football field and makes a play. So if I'm Houston, I'm like, we are going to cage rush this son of a gun, right? We're going to keep four guys in there. We're not going to try. We're just going to try to condense the pocket and make Lamar beat us throwing, you know, layered routes, throwing against seven- and eight-man zones, and we're just not going to let him extend plays and beat us that way. So the, the storyline around Lamar Jackson, fair or unfair? One and three in the playoffs, mm-hmm. 56% completion percentage in these playoff games, mm-hmm. only three touchdown passes and five interceptions. Last playoff game he played was in 2020. Is, I guess, first of all, how do you explain his playoff struggles? And do you think they carry any weight in, in right. this matchup? Well, one, they're playing against better, better, you know, you get in the playoffs, you're playing against really good teams. Two, I think in his past, and and I've been critical, not, I wouldn't say I was critical, I was just honest with, his ability to beat you from the pocket, his ability to throw against layered, like layered concepts against zones. Um, that, especially if he fell behind. Yes, right. especially if he fell behind. So, um, you know, you took him, you took him out of what they did in their previous offense, all the zone read stuff, all the, you know, if you split the field in half, they'd get a motion, they get something else. And all of a sudden with the quarterback run stuff and the design quarterback run, you get, you know, six on four kind of a, from a blocking scheme because the quarterback becomes a, a runner. So you had these advantages. But when that stuff got shut down, Lamar had a tough time beating people out of the pocket. Now, we're going to see, right, because they still do a lot of that stuff. They're still just exceptional. Um, you know, they've got tight ends that can block people. They've got a fullback that is an absolute beast at 6'4", 315 in um, – in, uh, Oh shoot, Ricard. Yeah, Ricard, Patrick Ricard. Mm-hmm. Um, they are really, they're really good that way. And so, like, again, I just go back and look at the film that I've looked at. If I am playing, like, if I'm the Houston Texans, I am saying, guys, we're not going to bring pressure. We're going to play a lot of zone stuff, and we're going to stay in our lanes, and we're going to just try to squeeze the pocket like an anaconda, and Make him beat us that way. Watching Houston, impressive win against Cleveland. Uh-huh. But they were at home. And Houston this year, it's been kind of a tale of two teams, two quarterbacks in C.J. Stroud, mm-hmm. home and away. They're out on the road this week. What did you take from their performance against the Browns that make you feel makes you feel confident or maybe not so confident going into Baltimore? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things for me. Defensively, um, they're two edge guys, Grenard and Anderson. You want to talk about just young studs yeah. on the edge, just setting edges. They play, they play with effort and physicality. 
that you don't see a lot of young guys play with. And their whole defense plays that way. They've taken on the personality of D'Amico Ryans. Um, and that that whole system, you're going to come from San Francisco, that whole system is about keep it simple, stupid, let's fly around, let's make plays, and let's consistently you know, win the battle of physicality. That's what they do on the defensive side of the ball, and they're they're pretty damn good at it. And you saw eventually, even in a close game, eventually the pressure got to Joe Flacco. He throws one up, 70-whatever yards for a touchdown or whatever it was on the pick six, and then he comes right back, you know, right back out and just um, just eye-humps a linebacker, right? Just like, oh, and that linebacker just jumps on one in front. and <laughs> Eye-humps. Yeah. I mean, eye-humps. Yeah. Just, I love that. Yeah, right? So he's got his humps. My humps. My humps. My lovely lady bumps. Uh, yeah, he just totally eye-humped I the hump, guy. Eye-humping, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, he eye-humped his receiver and the, yeah. the linebacker. I should say eye-humped his receiver and the linebacker just was like, oh, really? Any sound effects that go with that eye-hump? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he I may, apologize, yeah. America. I mean, no, I mean, he's just like, he's just totally like eye-screwing the guy, yeah. right? And right. so, I mean... <laughs> Okay. He's like that's even better. Yeah, it's wompy even more jaw. He's like he's wompy jawed yeah. on him. <laughs> you know, you you know. Women would like their husbands to look at them the way that yeah, Joe, Joe Flacco was looking at his intended <laughs> receiver, and 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 everybody. You're the you only now. one. All right, we you're got the it only now. one in the bar that doesn't recognize right. that you're being like you're being <laughs> leery. You know, you're like. You're the only one in the bar that doesn't Everybody else looks at you and goes, dude, yeah, yeah. pull your tongue back in. Right, 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 right. right. So, anyhow, that's what he did <laughs> to his good. receiver. And the <laughs> linebacker just jumps it and 36 yards for a touchdown, and the rest is history. Um, but that's, you know, that's the way they play. And then offensively, let's face it, I mean, CJ Stroud threw 21 times. Um, I, I just, again, I've given him so many props, and I'll just continue to give him props. He's got an old soul. Uh, he is just so mature, and he plays from the pocket exceptionally well, understands what he wants to do, where he wants to go, and he's got an ability from the pocket to make off-platform accurate throws. And I think the thing I loved about him most doing a couple of Houston games this year was his lack of concern when things break down when he scrambles, he scrambles to throw or to throw it away. Like, that's what he does. Now, he'll he'll scramble and get a first down if it's wide open or whatever, but that's kind of the maturity level that he has. They haven't been a great run team, but let me just tell you, Nico Collins can flat-out play. Mechie has become, you know, legit. Brevin Johnson, big time. Dalton Schultz, big time. Like, they, they don't run the ball as effectively or as efficiently as they would like to. Or Brevin Jordan, I think. Did I say Brevin Jordan? Yeah, Brevin Jordan, yeah. Yeah, uh, so um, I may have said his name wrong. But but they, Robert Woods, Robert Woods is one of the best. Nobody talks about Robert Woods. Robert Woods is not only a complete player, but Robert Woods helps them. He, he If they want to play 11 personnel but want to run out of 11 personnel, he becomes like an extra like an extra wide receiver. So it's it's like what the Rams call 11.5 personnel. They used to run it with Robert Woods. Well, he can become like a tight end. He is a tough son of a gun. Um I love him as a foot he's just a football player. So they've got they've got a ton of weapons. They could have put a they'll put a ton of pressure on people. So we'll get to the picks uh, against the spread 
here at the end, but who mm-hmm. do you like to win the game? Um, I like Baltimore. I like Baltimore at home. I like their defense, um, the pressure they put on people, and uh, I just like their I like their ability to f- physically to wear you out, and and then obviously the Lamar just off schedule stuff. Let's get to the uh, other game now on Saturday. You got Green Bay, San Francisco. We talked a little bit about San Francisco. Let's start with Green Bay. Uh, again, much like Houston, young team with an impressive win. Uh, the fact that the Packers did it on the road the way that they did in beating Dallas, how much of a, a carryover are they able to take yeah. the momentum? I mean, what kind of momentum are they taking into this game? Well, I think they're taking a lot of offensive confidence. Yeah. Um, especially their quarterback since about week 10. I, I think he's the second highest rated quarterback in the league. Um, you know, and I've told this story before on this podcast, um, so bear with me, but I'll tell it again. Talking to Aaron Rodgers last year, just about Jordan, because he came in and played for he played Jordan Love. He came in and played for him. Jordan did for Aaron when he was hurt one, one week, and I went back and watched that film. And I'm just like Aaron, you know, the odds are, you know, he, you've talked about, you know, moving on or retiring or whatever. Like, what are you going to do? And he, he, you know, said, I, I don't know, you know. Now you can tell me. I'm not going to tell anybody, you know, that type of thing. Joking around, but I said, what, what have you seen from, from Jordan Love? He said, you know, I had a real sit-down with Jordan Love, and obviously he's he's worked really hard and all that stuff, but it's like until you look at practice like your game on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, he goes, what, set, what got me ready to play and got confidence for the coaches is I went into those days as the scout team guy behind Brett Favre, and I tried to eviscerate our defense every day. And I go, the where I got good, Aaron was telling me, where he got good at the off-platform throws and the sidearm stuff and the dipping around and moving around in the pocket is in practice on the scout team. And so you would take every – because everybody runs the same crap. You know, everybody runs, you know, a three-by-one formation. Everybody runs a layered route combination, you know, where one guy's a go – one guy's a corner, one guy's a flat. You know, everybody runs the same stuff, whether they bring it from a three-wide set over here or a two-by-two two formation, they bring somebody over across. You know, everybody runs the same stuff. And so when you look at the scout card, you go, oh, that's just like this play that we run. And then you put that into the format, how you would set your drops and everything else. So you actually are, even though it's scout team, you're actually working on your stuff. And said to his credit, man, he just – I mean, he glommed onto that and really started cutting people up. And you've seen that progression this year to where he has played exceptionally well. And I went back through that Dallas film, man, and that dude made some throws where, you know, he's not escaping, like he's not escaping pressure to run or to get outside the pocket. He's escaping pressure within the pocket but staying in the pocket. Mm-hmm. So he'd move slightly two steps to the right, then start to climb. And his eyes, man, you watch him move around the pocket. His eyes never left downfield. They were always scanning. He never looked down at the rush. His head was always up. He moved. And then all of a sudden, staring, we call it staring down the gun barrel. All of a sudden, he's like, I'm going to let this one rip. And I know I'm going to take a mouthful of Rydell. And bam, and just, ah, you know, and. Boom, boom, on an yeah. in-cutting dig route or whatever. I mean, it was was next-level quarterbacking. But again, much like we just talked about in Houston, 21 attempts. Yeah. Like, so it just was – it was really good 
defensively, you know, I think Green Bay has struggled over the over the course of the year. Um, and San Francisco is not an offense you want to struggle against the way they run the ball. Like I, I had this conversation with Kyle Shanahan, and because I'm just watching so many different ways they block a play, and I said, "How many different combinations do you have to block a defensive end?" And he goes, "It's pretty much infinite." <laughs> infinite? Yeah. Really? So think about this. So we're running 18, 19 handoff. Okay. So you line up in a like, run up strong right. So you got a tight end. And you've got a fullback and a tailback, right? So this would be strong, right? Tight end here, fullback here, tailback here, right? Right behind center. So now all of a sudden, strong right, we're on a double team with the offensive tackle and the tight end. They call that a trade block, right? Now all of a sudden, we can motion up our fullback and line them up in what would look like West, like two tight ends, and we can quad block that defensive end with the tight end and the fullback, right? Or we can arc release the tight end and have the fullback come and load on the defensive end. So I just gave you three right there. Now let's change it from strong to far. Now all of a sudden we can we can double team that and here comes the fullback in to double team with us and it becomes a quad block or let's arc release him and now the fullback comes from the opposite side and slams him. Now let's get into two tight end formation, two tight end west. We can quad him. Two all tight end right, solo. Right. Point Wait, made. Point two made. tight end solo. We can motion him and hit him. Like, yeah. Like, so here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of that. I just probably gave you nine okay. different ways to block the defensive end. So now we, oh, I didn't even say, hey, we can motion him from outside and now we can crack block him. Right. So there's a million, like, there's yeah. an infinite. It, it, yeah. It feels okay. like infinite. Yeah. So here's, here's the point of this whole discussion. One, we've just taken your defensive end, who happens to be your best player, the guy we spend the most money on, and his head is on a freaking swivel. Where am I getting blocked from? You're not worried about defending the play anymore. You're worried about where the guys are coming from, right? And now it's third down and four, and what are you worried about? Where are the guys coming at? You're not thinking about pass rushing. Right. You're thinking about how I'm going to defend myself. Like, they're coming from all over the place. It's like, it's like getting hit by a swarm of bees. Bees! Your weapons are useless against them, you know? So... Like, they're all over the place. So think about this from an offensive perspective. I just gave you, let's call it, 10 different ways to block a defensive end. Two guys adjusted what they were doing. Nine guys are doing the same damn thing they do on 18 handoff 100% of the time. So for us, for everybody else, it's no. our rules are 100% the same all the time. Two guys have to decide how they're going to block something. But and does Matt LaFleur have, with his familiarity with Kyle Shanahan, does that help Green Bay close the gap a little bit? Or is it well, one of those things that they, Kyle knows what Matt knows? Yeah, right. Well, he they, knows. They, and, yeah, they've seen it. Yeah. Well, my, my point was, nine guys, like, you're, you're running the exact same thing. Two yeah. guys are making an adjustment, but to the defense, it looks like nine different plays. Right. Right? It just looks like nine different schemes and it's not but yeah Matt LaFleur has more familiarity and Matt LaFleur runs it very much like the Rams the same way right. only the Rams do it out of all 11 personnel where Shanahan changes his personnel all the time but I guess the big difference is Mike is that they've got the best players in football doing it they've got use check at fullback they've got 
you know, Kittle at tight end. They've got Debo Samuel at wide receiver. They've got Christian McCaffrey. And Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey are interchangeable. Christian can motion out of the backfield and line up and run receiver routes, and Debo can line up in the backfield and run the ball. Like, they've just got this ability um, to absolutely crush you. Like, I, I, this offseason I talked to probably 10, 11, 12 offensive coordinators slash, you know, run game coordinators, whatever it was. Everybody I talked to, 100% of the people I talked to, studying San Francisco's run game. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the best in the business, and they that leads to them just setting up all the big play action stuff. So, Green Bay upsets San Francisco if they do what? Green Bay would upset San Francisco if they can shut down their running game. If they've got a lead in the fourth quarter, Kyle Shanahan's teams haven't won a game That's true. when the other team leads in the fourth quarter. Why? It's a great question, right? Why? And I think the reason is San Francisco creates all their big plays off their system. Their system is so exceptional, and they're so good at running it. So all that intricacy, like when you talk about their run game, they have a play-action pass off of each run they run that marries that run perfectly that looks identical. And so they create these six-yard throws that there isn't anybody within 15 yards of the receiver when he catches it, and then it's Katie by the door. He's out, you know, he's out for a big game. What they don't do well is line up in three-by-one and run routes. That's not their forte. And I would tell you they're probably, you know, are they good route runners? Yeah. Are they exceptional one-on-one route runners? No. That's because it's not what they do. It's not what they work on. And so when they get behind and have to line up in stagnant formations and throw the football, they're not as they're, that's not what they're that's not what they're good at. So they're really they're really tied tightly with their system. Again, we'll do the pick against the line, but I gather you like San Francisco. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, we move ahead to Sunday's games. Detroit and Tampa Bay. Fascinating matchup. Mm-hmm. Detroit gets over the hurdle of having not won a playoff game in 30 years. Big, big emotional moment there in Detroit. Tampa, meanwhile, well, let's start with Tampa. It, it, should the takeaway from the Bucks beating Philadelphia be, hey, Tampa, you did this and this and this and congratulate, or is it still a feeling of what Philadelphia didn't do. Yeah, I think it's a feeling of what Philadelphia didn't do, which which bodes well for Tampa. Right. Because you can sit there behind closed doors and say, look at like the, all the talk is should they fire Syria? Right. Like what's wrong with what's wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles? Like you guys are getting no credit None. for absolutely, you know, dominating that football game. Because that that game could have been, you know, they scored what at Tampa scored what, 30 points or whatever it was. They could have easily, I mean, Mike Evans had a couple drives. They had Baker Mayfield early in that game, like in the second quarter, was 10 of 20, and they had five drops. And one or two of them would have been touchdowns. So they could have easily hung a bunch more points on them. Um, I think that's a motivational factor for Tampa. I think Tampa's a really dangerous team. Um, one, 
Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is a teammate of mine with Washington. Mm-hmm. I know Todd very well. Todd Bowles is going to bring pressure. He's lived by the blitz, die by the blitz. We're going to bring pressure. We're going to put you under duress. Now, one of the places he brings pressure, which probably this is kind of a, a strategic way he does it, he loves to pressure you early downs because he wants to get you behind the chains. If he can get behind the chains, if he can make a run blitz on first and 10 and get you at second down and 12, well, then I win the down, right? And then I win I win the series because now all of a sudden we can get you into third down and seven situations. We can play some form of two chains or whatever and, and basically, basically sit and play the chains and make you throw the ball underneath right. because we've got enough pass rushers to get to your quarterback and make him have to throw it early, and then we can rally up and we got the speed to tackle people. And so that's what they do. Now, to, to be able to bring that blitz concept, you got to have a couple things. You got to have a corners that can flat out cover. You got to have a nickel guy or a safety that can, you know, can take away the middle of the field. They do in um, in uh, uh, Winfield. You got that. You got two corners, and uh, Carlton Davis can really play, and Jamel Dean can really play. And then the other thing that I think is vitally important um, is two middle linebackers that can flat run. I mean, they can run, and you know that that sets them apart. Levante David is just. I mean, he's phenomenal. Um, got a couple of young players on the edge in, in uh, what, what's the guy's name? Yaya, uh, Yaya Diaby, Diaby, Diaby. Let's say Yaya Diaby, Diaby, Diaby. However you say his name, he's he's pretty good on the edge. <laughs> Diaby. Hey, I, you're not getting any help from me. Let's just call him Yaya. I know Fine. that's right. I know Yaya is right. And, uh, and then Cansey also, a young player in the inside, can really play. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty formidable. And I, and I will say this. Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator, um, I, just talk, I talked to him probably six weeks ago or so mm-hmm. and just praised Baker Mayfield. And, you know, it was really interesting. It was Baker Mayfield's ability – when it's nut cutting time, like the dude just he raises his game mm-hmm. to another level. It's like there's a level of there's a level of pressure that he thrives in and that he loves. And I thought that was really cool, man. It's really cool to hear. Um, it's like when he's when he's under duress or when the game is on the line, man. He just plays lights out football in those situations. And they're a talented, you know, they're a really talented offensive football team. You know, Mike Evans can play. Um, they, they've got, I mean, they've got dudes. They, they've got the Palmer kid that can really run. Um, who's their other receiver that I absolutely, Godwin, can can flat out play. And I like the Kate Otten kid yeah. tied in, Had too. some drops the other day, but, yeah, you know. But he can play. They, he, was, he was open all the time. Yeah. So, interesting, you say that. Tampa's got that card that they can play that we don't get no respect. I wonder for Detroit, the fact that they were carrying around that burden of no playoff wins for so long, and it was so important to Detroit, right. the, the the city, the fans, to get that win. The fact that they got that win now, does that almost allow them to exhale a little bit, relax, not in a bad way? but really in a confident way yeah. and go out and play with even more confidence 
um, this week now that they got that elusive playoff victory under their belt. Yeah, it was so cool. You know, Dan Campbell was part of that 0-16 Detroit uh, Detroit Lions team. Excuse me. Um, so he was a player on that yeah. team. And to see that thing come full circle, the thing I loved about Dan, and I talked to I talked to him, I texted with him right after their win, but I talked to him earlier in the season when I was doing one of their games, and, man, they've got the banners up. Like, they got the banners of the 0-16. They got the banners that haven't won a, a playoff game since. Like, they know their players – there, you know, we're here in, in Denver where Sean Payton was asked about the losing streak to Kansas City. That's not my hump. Well, I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean anything to me. Do they embrace that? They're like, this is more than just their football team. This yep. is their city. And it's pretty cool, man. It's Dan's got such a great culture over there. Um, and they're a damn good football team. They're a damn good football team. Um, like, some things that, that I love about them. I love... You know they'll they'll be one of the top teams in the league as far as being under center and playing mm-hmm. under center under Jared Goff and their run game excels in that their play action game excels in the under center stuff. So Jared Goff is very good at that at that stuff. Um, I love their one two punch the running back position. Montgomery, phenomenal young player, um, without question. Uh, Gibbs also a phenomenal young player. Kind of a you know, I hate the thunder and lightning terminology, but you know, but they're they're both really good backs. Um, they run the ball well. You talk to you talk to Dan Campbell. You talk to anybody in Detroit. They'll tell you our best player on our football team, Penae Sewell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, young player, great young player at the right tackle position. So, and I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is like legit big time, like tempo center. For their offense, he's tough. He runs the inside routes. He runs a lot of the option routes inside. Um, and won't hesitate or shy away from contact. Um, a dude is is awesome. And this young rookie kid, Sam Laporta, has just been phenomenal. He's one of my favorite players as a rookie. He was just great. So they're they're a very talented a very talented group. Ben Johnson is is going to be a head coach somewhere. Their offense coordinator. The thing I like about Ben Johnson. It is a lot of things, but one of the things I like about Ben Johnson is their ability to run the ball on second and third down along. They have a great run game because in those situations, second down seven plus, you're going to get a favorable look in the run game. Mm-hmm. And they run inside trap stuff. They have tackle trap stuff. They've got a they've got a pretty large menu of plays they run, but they get you into third and manageable situations where you have to be alert. I think they had the I think they were in the top. Four, top three or four of teams that ran it on on second and third in long situations, um, which makes you play honest. Yep. So they make you play honest. And then uh, lastly, I'll say this. Jared Goff, to me, is a top 10 quarterback. And Jared Goff makes some tight window, ballsy throws that a lot of people would turn away from. And I think this, this whole getting kicked to the curb by – the Rams and basically Rams saying we can't win a championship with this guy. Um, I just think that is that's been a motivator, but it's also freedom to say like I don't give a mm-hmm. blank what you guys think. Uh, like I almost think it's it's like where it would crush a lot of people's confidence. I think it's built his, and I think that's really cool. Again, don't worry about the spread, but who do you like to win? I, I like Detroit to win this game. Um, I, th- there's one other factor here that I think bodes well for them. 
I'm worried about their corners. I think their corners are are the weak link of that defense. But C.J. Gardner-Johnson coming back to Detroit. He tore his peck, I think, in week two. He's just an energizer bunny. He's a playmaker. He and Brian Branch playing safety and nickel um, are really, like, those two players are great players for them. But I think C.J. brings an attitude that they have not had since week two that makes them a better defense. And I think you saw that last week defending the Rams in that second half. We move into the uh, final game of the the four, in many respects, the the heavyweight matchup. We got Kansas City mm-hmm. and Buffalo. We've seen this before with these two teams, but that was at Arrowhead. Now we're in Buffalo right. where they must feed the pit. Yes. Look that story up. It's awesome. It's about the new stadium that they're building. But uh, this will be the first time that Patrick Mahomes plays a road playoff game. That's not a Super Bowl. That's yeah. neutral site. So Mahomes on the road, Kansas City on the road, Buffalo with a ton of momentum. The feeling in Buffalo is it's our time now. Right. But you're you're skeptical. They have had so many injuries. Linebacking core on the especially on the defensive side of the ball. Nickel guy. Johnson's been hurt. Uh, Bernard Benford's been hurt, middle linebacker. Remember, they lost uh, Matt Milano. They lost uh, Tredavious White, their their starting cornerback, in like week five. Both their corners are injured right now. Both their middle linebacker, both their two linebackers, did not practice on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. And that that concerns me. Like limited, I'm okay with. But that concerns me, and, and and here's why. Let's okay. Let's say they're limited on Friday, and and let's just assume they're going to play. Okay, I'll I'll assume that. If you're playing against a crappy offense or a crappy coordinator, probably doesn't scare you much. But I just know how I was taught to think about football, and I was with some pretty good offensive guys. Like if your linebacker has got, let's say a medial lateral knee injury. Shit, we're going to get you running side to side. Mm-hmm. We're on a 19 handoff, 18 handoff, right? And we're going to cut back and we're going to get you running and then make you plant and see how much you can hold up. Let's say you have a, a low back injury, right? Well, now let's get into our gap game and our ISO game. And let's run you with a fullback or let's run you long, head up with a guard and just say, I need you to hunker down. And I need you to take that on, right? And let's see how how well that back stresses out. Let's say you got a hamstring injury and you're a middle linebacker. I'm going to get in three-by-one three one formation, and I'm going to run a through route by my number three, and I'm going to make him a slot receiver, and I'm going to make you run and mm-hmm. test that hamstring. Like, we're testing that stuff. And that's, you know, that's the, the brutal nature of the NFL. And I just wonder, with Kansas City, not only Pacheco, who's really good running the football, but let's face it, maybe the best tight end to ever play in Travis Kelsey running the middle of the football field. But this isn't the same Kansas City offense that we've seen in the past. Are you confident that if if Buffalo's as banged up as you as you say, that Kansas City's got the offense to make them pay? I'm 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 perfectly confident in Pacheco's inside run ability and catching the ball out of the backfield and Travis Kelsey eating people up in the middle of the football field. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Rice has been great. Had 130 yards receiving last week. Um, he's been great. And let's not forget that this is the best defense, the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever played with since he started in 2018. I know he got drafted in 2017, but since he's become the full-time starter in 2018, this is by far the best defense he's ever played with. And what those corners did to Miami. Now, you could sit there and argue that Miami didn't want to play in the cold right. or whatever, but like the combination – you know, the complementary nature between your ability to jam people line of scrimmage, to disrupt routes, to to eat people up, and to let your pass rush hunt. Because that's what they did to Miami, and um, it was incredibly effective. So, yeah, now, I, I, I will tell you the other thing I would do if I was Kansas City. We're good enough defensively. We can afford two personal fouls on your quarterback. And... That fake slide bullshit is not going to fly here. So in the very first run that Josh Allen takes, even if he slides, I am hitting him and taking 15. Because I'm going to send a message as a football team. You better get down. You better get down early. Otherwise, you're going to get a mouthful of Rydell. And, and again, this is the, you know, the frontier justice aspect of football. If you're a good defense – like, there's a lot of defenses that can't afford 15-yard penalties. A lot of them. But this is just one of those games where you say, if you're – who's the coordinator? Spagnola? If you're Spagnola, you go, we can we can give up two, guys. We can give up two. <laughs> All and, right. And, that's, and I know that people are, ooh. No, right, like, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, and, and we saw that here in Denver in 2015 with their – Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. They had a defense that you can they, you can tell that they just felt it's it's better in the long run for us to be able to plant that that right. sense of intimidation and stuff. Put that in your head, and we're willing to take a couple of penalties just to reinforce that. Yeah. And in the long run, it makes us a better defense. You so that's your to theory. Those days, you talk to Vaughn Miller or yep. Derek Wolf or some of the guys yep. that keep to leave. They tell you, they tell you that we can do two or three yep. personal fouls. And Vaughn would tell me, uh, Vaughn told me once, he goes, I'm good for at least two or three offside penalties. We'll overcome those. Because he goes, the, the purpose is I get those de- his defensive, I get those, excuse me, offensive yep. tackles so jumpy and so concerned that they get off of their game yep. worried about my speed on the edge. So, yeah, that's that's how they played that. Well, you went four and two last week with the picks. Yes, I did. I went three and three. Mm-hmm. So, so I pick first this week. You get to go first. Go ahead. All right. I'm uh I am going Ravens plus the nine and a half. Minus nine and a half. Or minus nine and a half. Yeah, excuse me. I would like Ravens. You would love. <laughs> Boy, let me jump on that Can line. Can I get on that? Can I run Can to I my bookie right now? All right. <laughs> minus nine and a half. I've got San Francisco minus Ooh, nine and a half. Big numbers. Uh, I do not like this pick, but I'm gonna go Lions minus six and a half. I don't there's something about that pick I don't like. And then I'm going Kansas City plus two and a half. Wow. Well, not that I'm in a position where I have to be desperate yet, but I'm going to go against all four of yours. You're in a giving mood. I'm going to take points. All right. I'm going to take the Texans. I'm going to take the uh, uh, Packers. I'm going to take the Bucks, And I'm going to actually take the Bills. So I'll take the Bills minus the two and a half. 
Okay. All right. Okay, so we're going straight, straight up head to head. So either, no, well, I guess if we could, I guess you could go two and two, or we could go, yeah, you know. yeah. But this could be the makings of either. You could, you could blow me away. I could be. You put me away. Over. It could be over. It could be over. You sweep, or, 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 or. you're right back in this thing. <laughs> or I could even take the lead. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. You could go if you went four and zero, oh, and uh-huh. I went zero oh and four. What would that make me? That would make me four and six, and that would make you six and four. No, you no, got, three and three. I'd be uh, seven, seven and three. Three. Ooh. Ooh. And then it would be then it'd be tired of mouse nuts. <laughs> you know how tired yeah. of mouse nuts. Those things are just those things are right up right. against each other. And then we're eye humping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, listen. For everybody involved in the Sinking Truth Podcast, we totally appreciate you guys. We will be back with you guys um, next week, and we'll discuss all these games and going into the uh, AFC and NFC Championship games. So it should be a great one. For Mike, I am Mark. We thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share the videos and uh, and do all those things that you do. Appreciate you guys. Uh, take care and have a great, great divisional playoff weekend.